Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, researchers have discovered a new kick-and-kill strategy to perhaps eliminate HIV. Amid a huge blood shortage, folks are again asking the FDA to remove outdated restrictions on gay and bisexual men to donate blood. And Elvira, mistress of the darkness, says horny old men have ditched her since she came out, but she was more concerned about her queer fan base. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. A UCLA-led team of researchers believe they may have found a way to kill HIV-infected cells inside infected individuals. The scientists believe the new approach could potentially reduce, if not eliminate, the virus from the currently 38 million people around the world who have HIV. Researchers developed what they call a kick-and-kill strategy of using cells that are naturally produced in the immune system to kill infected cells hiding inside the body. HIV can elude antiretroviral medications by hiding lying dormant in some cells. When a person who's infected with HIV stops treatment, the virus emerges and replicates in the body, which then weakens the person's immune system and raises the chance of opportunistic infections of cancers or other diseases which can sicken or kill the person. The research team's kick-and-kill method would coax the dormant virus to reveal itself in infected cells, which can then be targeted and killed. In an earlier study, the team used humanized mice infected with HIV and gave them antiretroviral drugs and then administered a synthetic compound that activates the dormant HIV. In that study, up to 25% of the previously dormant cells died within 24 hours of activation. Woohoo! In the latest study, though, researchers used the same synthetic compound to flush HIV-infected cells out of hiding and then injected healthy natural killer cells into the mice's bloodstream to kill the infected cells. The new method cleared HIV in 40% of the infected mice, and the researchers couldn't detect the virus in the mice's spleens, which suggests that cells harboring HIV were eliminated. The research team says it's moving forward with preclinical studies with the ultimate goal of implementing this research for use in humans. With the Red Cross struggling to find blood donors these days, the current restrictions on gay and bisexual men wanting to roll up their sleeves and donate are back in the headlines this week. The Red Cross announced on Tuesday that it had less than a one-day supply of critical blood types on hand, declaring that this is the, quote, worst blood shortage in more than a decade. The result is that some hospitals have been forced to defer patients from major surgeries, including organ transplants. According to the Red Cross, blood donations are down 10% since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
In fact, the pandemic has contributed to a 62% drop in blood drives at schools and colleges. So where to find more blood donors? Well, gay and bisexual men could be a start. A few years ago, the Williams Institute, a West Coast-based think tank, took a look at the problem and estimated the annual blood supply could increase anywhere from 2 to 4%. That would represent an increase of between 350,000 to over 600,000 new donors of blood annually, if the restrictions on gay and bisexual men were lifted. Those restrictions go back all the way to the early 1980s and the height of the AIDS crisis. In 1983, the FDA put a lifetime ban on men who have sex with men, also known as MSM, from donating in an effort to keep the nation's blood supply from being contaminated. Those rules were kept in place for over 30 years until, in 2015, the lifetime ban was reduced to requiring a one-year abstinence from same-sex activity. In April 2020, the FDA again adjusted the deferral period, this time from a full year to three months. Now, it's worth noting that blood donations today are systematically screened for multiple disease markers, including HIV. In April 2021, the Red Cross issued a recommendation saying, quote, blood donation eligibility should not be determined by methods that are based on sexual orientation. With that in mind, this week, 22 U.S. Senators, led by out-Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, sent a letter to Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra and Acting FDA Commissioner Dr. Janet Woodcock, urging the FDA to scrap the restrictions for men who have sex with men altogether. In their letter, the group wrote, Any policy that continues to categorically single out the LGBTQ plus community is discriminatory and wrong. Given advances in blood screening and safety technology, a time-based policy for gay and bisexual men is not scientifically sound, continues to effectively exclude an entire group of people, and does not meet the urgent demands of the moment. Meanwhile, many countries around the world are reducing or removing entirely their restrictions— France announced on Tuesday that gay and bisexual men will be able to donate freely beginning in March. Greece also announced this week that it will allow men who have sex with men to donate blood without restrictions. The Greek health minister issued a decree that will become official once the government gazette publishes it. Now, some say there needs to be more scientific data to support scrapping limitations on men who have sex with men donating blood. The Red Cross understands those concerns and is actually doing something about it. The Red Cross is taking part in a pilot program called Advanced Study, which will gather data from volunteers in eight U.S. cities, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Orlando, New Orleans, Miami, Memphis, Los Angeles, and Atlanta. That information will be used to determine if a donor history questionnaire based on individual risk would be as effective as the current time-based deferral in reducing the risk of HIV in the blood supply. Now, if you live in one of those metro areas, consider taking part in the study. I'll have a link in the show notes for you to follow up. And for those of you who live elsewhere, if you fit within current eligibility guidelines to donate blood, 
Your help right now would be greatly appreciated. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem has released a national ad promoting the transgender exclusionary sports bill that's just been introduced in her state. Noem, a Republican, killed similar legislation last year, fearing pushback from the National Collegiate Athletic Association. But she did issue executive orders limiting, quote, only females based on their biological sex as reflected on their birth certificate or affidavit provided upon initial enrollment may participate in girls' or women's scholastic sports. Now, she's backing a bill that would write that language into law. This week, the South Dakota Senate's State Affairs Committee approved the bill and advanced it to the full Senate. The ad spot, which first aired this week during primetime news programs around the country, doesn't use the words transgender or trans. Instead, it features Noam saying she wants to protect girls and women's sports. Noam wrote on Twitter that her bill will, quote, give South Dakota the strongest law protecting female sports in the nation. Now, LGBTQ advocates have long protested the protection characterization, saying that it suggests women and girls are weak. Plus, many scientists and activists dispute the idea that trans females have an inherent unfair advantage over cisgender ones. There is no widespread threat of girls and women's sports being dominated by transgender females. It just doesn't exist. In fact, in most of the states that have considered or passed anti-trans sports bills, politicians couldn't even name a single instance of transgender participation causing a problem in their state. Joni Madison, the interim president of the Human Rights Campaign, issued a statement criticizing the legislation and ad, which read in part, Fairness should never mean exclusion. We can promote girls' sports and transgender inclusion at the same time. Blanket bans that block transgender students from participating in school sports remain unfair and unnecessary. And Sam Ames, the Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs at the Trevor Project, said in a press statement, a recent poll by the Trevor Project found that 85% of transgender and non-binary youth said recent discussion of anti-trans bills have negatively impacted their mental health, and nearly one in three feel scared. Currently, Nine states have passed laws prohibiting trans students from competing in school sports due to their gender identity. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Mississippi, Montana, Tennessee, Texas, and West Virginia. The Idaho and West Virginia laws, however, have been blocked by courts. Also, the governors of Kansas, Louisiana, and North Dakota vetoed similar legislation when it was passed in their states. MJ Rodriguez made history at the Golden Globes this year as she was honored with the award for Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series Drama for her role as Blanca Evangelista in the final season of the groundbreaking TV series Pose. 
the win made her the first transgender person to win a Golden Globe. The nomination alone had already put Rodriguez in the history books as the first trans actress to even be nominated for a Golden Globe in the lead actress category. In light of the fact that the Golden Globes were not broadcast this year, Rodriguez took to her Instagram stories to give the acceptance speech she truly wanted to give. Let's listen to the overwhelmed Rodriguez as she shared her excitement with her social media followers. I gotta keep myself together. Okay, so number one, y'all know I haven't been getting on live because I, child, I've been working real hard, but I gotta take this moment to say this because I couldn't really say all of this in a post. Like, I just posted and I'm definitely gonna be posting, but I have to say this. Number one, thank you, Golden Globes. This is for the LGBTQAI, Black, Latina, Asian, the many multi-beautiful colors of the rainbow around the freaking world. This is not just for me. This is for y'all. This is the door that opens for y'all, not me, for y'all. There are going to be so many young individuals, young, talented, thriving individuals that are going to be able to trail in and storm in through the door. This is for y'all. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I'm probably going to sound like a broken record. I, you know, there was no uh, acceptance speeches, so I'll give it here. I'm going to say I'm very thankful to the many beautiful people that came together with this show. Mr. Ryan Murphy, thank you for actually seeing me. Steven Canals, bitch, you wrote the hell out of this show. Miss Janet Mock, you took it. You swooped it. Bam! Miss, uh, child, child, this is, see, I'm glad this is not on the stage, because child, I would wreck it on the stage. <laughs> but Our Lady J, you came in like an angel in the night, and you just really graced us with your beautiful writing as well. To my beautiful family, Dominique Jackson, Haley Sahar, Angelica Ross, India. There were also notable wins for musical theater fans, as the Steven Spielberg take on West Side Story won three Golden Globes, including Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, and acting honors for leading lady Rachel Zegler as Maria and supporting actress Ariana DeBose as Anita. Andrew Garfield was honored for best performance by an actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy for Tick, Tick, Boom. The acclaimed LGBTQ-themed The Power of the Dog also took home three statues for best motion picture drama, Best Director for Jane Campion, and Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role for Cody Smith-McPhee, and, a personal favorite of mine, Gene Smart's terrific turn as a Las Vegas comedian in Hacks scored a Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series Trophy, and the show won for Best Television Series Comedy as well. You can find the full list of Golden Globe winners on therandyreport.com. When Cassandra Peterson, best known as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, came out as a member of the LGBTQ community last September, she knew the news would make waves. However, the horror icon wasn't quite prepared for how big a deal it ended up being. She shared her thoughts on it during a recent interview on the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast with David Yontef. She told listeners it really flipped everybody out. Nobody was ready for that. And while plenty of people celebrated her coming out, 
Peterson said not everyone was thrilled, particularly, as she described them, the horny old men of her fandom. She joked, I knew there were going to be some horny old men out there who were just not going to like the fact that they didn't have a chance with me anymore. And I hate to tell them, they already didn't have a chance with me anyway. According to Peterson, she lost about 11,000 followers across her social media when the news broke that she'd been in a relationship with her partner, Teresa Wearson, for 19 years. But... Peterson says she was less concerned with the response from her straight fans than she was about how her queer audience would handle the fact that she had kept her relationship a secret for almost 20 years. In the interview, she shared, Honestly, I worried more about my gay fan base because I hope they embraced it. But I was feeling like, what if they think I'm a big fat hypocrite and I was lying to them? Fortunately, Peterson didn't need to worry, as she was quickly embraced by fans who were thrilled she finally felt safe sharing her truth with the world. And those 11,000 followers who fled after she came out? No problem. They hardly held a candle to the 60,000 new ones Peterson says she ended up gaining that very same day. Current Jeopardy! champion Amy Schneider continues her amazing winning streak, having now won 32 straight games at this point in time. She is currently tied for third place for the number of consecutive games won. CBS News reports that Schneider took home the win on Thursday night this week with $32,800. She was far ahead of her competition for most of the game, especially after finding and correctly answering all three of the Daily Double questions. The first transgender Jeopardy contestant to qualify for the Tournament of Champions, Schneider has captivated audiences with her gameplay. Since her first game on November 17th, she has won $1,101,600 and is the highest-earning female contestant in Jeopardy history. Currently, Schneider is six games away from tying the second-place spot of 38 consecutive games won. However, there is a long road ahead before she can catch Ken Jennings, the number one player in the history of the game, who won $2,520,700 over 74 winning games. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Just a few quick reminders. Please wear a face mask in public, practice social distancing, and take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.